0: I think to actually be successful in an industry that is a visual medium, that is a business, right? Because uh, show business is a business. And I think when people go in, they think, well, it's just arts. And it's like, "Eh, no, if it's just arts, go do theater. Yeah. You know, and even that has has things that are political and, you know, that you have to be good at really to, to be excellent and consistently working within the entertainment industry. You have to be both really strong left and right brain and or at least have somebody else that can help you if you, one part of you is not that right. Yeah. And I think that you need to be very business minded and strategic and know how to utilize momentum, and know how to utilize all this. So that's the same sort of thing that, that for any entrepreneur.
1: Welcome to The Ziggler Show, I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise and it's to take the age old wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world and ourselves. You can dig in more with each episode at kevinmiller.co. Power and influence, it's an interesting thing to ponder. I mean, today who has more power, politicians or people in the media? Former actor and now literally top podcaster Joe Rogan may have more individual influence on the planet than anyone, at least more reach. However, it's not an episode simply about power as much as it is using your platform, whatever it is, to benefit people. Brianna Brown Keen is an accomplished actress appearing in more than 20 feature films and 30 television shows. She defines her acting role as being paid to pretend and cites being in the business of rejection. But we talk about everyone having the opportunity to have art in what they do and express themselves. And in doing so, you do put yourself out there at risk. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico, and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous, and I got introduced to Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond Bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family-owned since 1935. And But our most fulfilling success is from just that, our self-expression. Along with being a present day working actress, Brianna has produced an initiative and a book called Manifesting Your Mission, where she guides entrepreneurs in doing just that, making true progress towards your goals. And she brings her unique perspective from Hollywood, where self-expression and rejection and acclaim are in a very heightened and even exaggerated form, but it's a relevant depiction of the real lives we all lead. You can connect with Brianna at M Y. M Manifesting Your Mission. mym.briannabrownkeen.com And if you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let the Ziggler family empower you at Ziggler.com/slash coach leadership program. And now I bring you Brianna Brown Keen. So after talking with you the other day, I'm curious about your last two. Instagram posts. Okay. You ready? Yeah. I'm going okay. to call you out on your own post. No, I Great. just want to, I want to question the spirit behind it actually. Like where yeah. did these, cause I know with my own, it's so often something that's just on my heart right now. It's on my mind. It's something I'm, I got passionate about or something that's frustrating me. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to read them. Okay. This is your last Great. one. You can be rich and buy designer things, but you can't buy class. Those qualities you have to earn. Okay, a couple before that then was just because someone claims to be an expert online doesn't mean they embody that information within their real life, too. The only way to truly lead is to lead by example. Both of those are speaking to me of kind of a of a spirit of authenticity. Yeah. Which I know again, as we talked the other day, you're kind of in, in an area of exaggerated sometimes not and then getting to see the real person. Where yeah. were you where were you feeling? What was the feels behind those posts?
0: Well, okay, so I'm big on quotes. If you
1: I know, that's how we connected. Thank you for using one of mine.
0: I know. I, I posted yours. Um and within my guidebook, Manifesting Your Mission, I have yeah. lots of quotes. Yeah. I love quotes. I've always loved quotes. Um I feel like it's such a great way to encapsulate wisdom and to brew on a different way of thinking. And, um, recently the uh, someone said, I want to see more quotes from you, you know, because you're so great. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll put some of my own more of my own quotes out. And so in the moment that, that I, I wrote the one about, um, that you can you can buy designer things, but you can't buy class integrity and respect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was, <laughs> There's someone in my life Mm -hmm. who can buy all the things, but still has a lot of work to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, that person's actually not in my life at this point, but it's, it was just kind of like, I feel like in our culture, we, we often put on a pedestal, um, reality stars and, you know, people that are very dysfunctional, the housewives of whatever. And, um, while that can be super entertaining, um, it's normalizing dysfunction oftentimes. So, um, you know, I I have an issue with what is being promoted, what microphone is being, is being handed out. And I, I actually, when I was, um, a few years ago, I spoke at Twitter, um, in a panel about, um, a digital footprint for children. And the thing that I saw with all these experts throughout the day was they kept emphasizing, we need to get basically influencers to change how they go about doing it. And I went on the panel that I was on and I said, I'm in the industry. That's not how it works. These people are These people are going with whatever works to get them more work. So they're more entrenched in the cycle than the normal person. So I said, actually, what has to happen is parents need to educate their children that this isn't healthy or this is dysfunctional or this is uh, titillating. And this is why this person's doing it because they're trying to get ahead so that we have to have discernment as to who we are choosing to be a leader or an influencer and not just going with whoever has a publicist who's pumping them out because they're getting paid a mortgage payment a month. So, you know, I know the insides of that. And so I just see it and I see how it's bleeding into our culture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And with some of the women that I I've mentored and working with who were formerly homeless and um now they're they're not. Um, One of the things I said is just because something's been normalized doesn't mean it's not still dysfunctional. And so that's that that was what was resonating with me at that
1: time. Yeah, I want to keep playing in those. Yeah. I want to keep playing in those waters because. You know, Even in, in I'm going to say my industry of personal development, self-help, and I struggle with my own industry. I struggle with some of the flavor I'm a part of, which is, hey, I've arrived, I've got these things figured out, I'm going to tell you how to live your life. Totally. And it's, it's, I struggle with that you hopefully to have a stage, you have some area of expertise, you know, these authors and all the books behind me have something doesn't mean that they have all of life figured out and it's footloose and fancy free from that point on. And so I struggle sometimes with, again, the industry I'm a part of. So here you are as an actress and talk about normalizing dysfunction. I mean, you're part of the media, you're part of, so we gonna say you're part of the problem and yet you're in it addressing it as yeah. well. Is that sometimes, are you just comfortable leveraging that, or is it sometimes kind of a tension of your own to deal with it? No,
0: it's, you know, I think like any journey or whenever you choose to go into any industry, you have visions, ideal visions of what it is, and then you go in and you see the realities of what it what it is, right? So when I started doing theater and doing musicals, <laughs> you know, you're just like performing, and it's beautiful, and you love the art of performing and moving people, and 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 having people um, emote, emote, and relate to other people's experiences, and so yeah. that's why I began. And then when I came out to Los Angeles at 19, um, you know, I had really great opportunities, and then some not so great opportunities, and. I saw how so much of what was available to me at that time was not necessarily things that was, um, elevated. Right. Um, other, some of, at least what I was getting opportunities to do. And, um, so I had a real like push and pull in that, like, am I contributing to the problem? You know, and also I was 19. So, you know, I wasn't as like aware of the long-term effects of some of these things that are normalized and um and there's an artist part of me that you know definitely thought like well i'm i'm uh showcasing humanity right like in order to have more compassion understanding you showcase humanity so um you know i I as i've gotten older and i think especially being a mother and seeing just how out of whack things can be based on social media which wasn't a thing at 19 when i was 19 A million years ago (laughs) that wasn't even a thing youtube wasn't a thing right so we we are we are um being influenced in such a fast way due to social media and it has its definite blessings and then it also has um i think some real negative repercussions that is uh, a wild west we're in the wild wild west of what that's doing to our culture.
1: Agreed. I struggle sometimes with my own participation on social media where I can look at my kids and say, this is a problem. You guys need to get off. And here I am. Here's dad using it, you know, especially, especially my business. You've got a big, you know, Instagram channel there. Well, let me go to the platform. That's one of the things I told you that when we first connected that that's what interested me was you as a professional in an industry and you are using the platform to do I'm going to say do good in my you know perspective there. So <laughs> on that though, and I was reading in your book, you said, when you told your mom you wanted to be an actress age 14, she asked why. And of course, what you're expecting. I mean, there's the mu- movie scene, right? I want to be famous, right? I want to be on Broadway. And, and you said, because artists can be more powerful than politicians. Now, if my 14 year old said that. I would be a little shocked. I'd be pretty flattered, actually. And that's that's some righteous stuff there. Where did that come from, though, at the age of 14?
0: I don't know. So um, I had gone through Cause it's what little,
1: you're doing today, obviously.
0: I know. And so it's definitely been part of my journey. I didn't, you know, you trace it back and you say, oh, wow, I knew at 14 that I was supposed to do this thing. And by the way, I was in Minnesota. This is not this was prior to youtube stars this is like you know it, it was unheard of to go and be in hollywood if you weren't like in los angeles or didn't yeah. come from so so it's for me at night at 14 um in the suburbs of minnesota never being a lead of a play by the way because i had such severe stage fright like the the couple middle school plays i'd audition for i never even made <laughs> just imagine
1: I, which like, i thought was really interesting I mean, yeah, I
0: was the twenty in the middle school play. Like yeah. I couldn't even do that. So for me to say this, my mom driving, you know, and I just had been um, going through a really rough time with bullying and just dealing with some really dark stuff and c- coming out of it. And my mother asking, I don't know why I said I want to be an actress, and she's driving. And she, I, just, I remember, you know, those moments that are just like crystallized in your memory. And I remember her looking in a rearview mirror, looking at me with like, huh? Like you never even you're never in the (laughs) play. And, um, and, and she said, why? And I said, because artists can be more powerful than politicians. And I, and it was one of those moments where I was like, I, I don't know why, but then when I came out at 19 and then you, I start to follow and see some of the things that I was just like inspired and drawn to do. I'm like, Oh, there was something bigger going on, helping me be like, why am I, leading up facilitating all these groups why am i helping all of these artists and entrepreneurs why am i focused on change making while being in the entertainment industry why am i using my interviews not just for you know saying the thing to just be more famous right or date the person to get me ahead which i had opportunities to do and i didn't yeah. um because i wanted to have like you said i wanted to be authentic i wanted to earn it i wanted to be like respected right
1: um So let me let me ask on that because you do I mean reading about you looking at your platforms today and what you're doing you speak more to you come off more as a personal development self help person than an actress and you speak to doing the hard work figuring it out uh, more than you do speak to talent, which in your industry and anything that's going to be in the arts, that's what we tend to gravitate towards is, oh, Jim Carrey is just, I mean, he came out of the womb funny. And of course we look at his trajectory, you know, he, he may have worked at the mirror more than anybody else ever on planet earth to hone his craft. And so is it talent or was it hard work? So again, I'm going to ask you how you look at that within, well, within your, within your own journey, but also within the... Guys, I was to say the arts. We'll, we'll start there because I'm going to bring the arts into everything as we talked about the other day. So start there.
0: Um, well, I, I think it's both. Right. I think to actually be successful in an, an industry that is a visual medium, that is a business. Right. Because uh, show business is a business. And I think when people go in, they think, well, it's just arts. And It's like, eh, no, if it's just arts, go do theater. Yeah. You know, and even that has has things that are political and, you know, that you have to be good at really to, to be excellent and consistently working within the entertainment industry. You have to be both really strong left and right brain and or at least have somebody else that can help you if you, one part of you is not that right. Yeah. And I think that you need to be very business minded and strategic and know how to utilize momentum, and know how to utilize all this. So that's the same sort of thing that that for any entrepreneur. Right. So as I, you know, naively thought I'm going to be an actress. And I was brought out at 19 and I was booking jobs. I was learning along the way um, a yes craft, of course, but it's once you get your 10,000 hours in as an actress, then you have to navigate other people and other people's craziness and um, egos and um, how to leverage what you're doing and how to do publicity and how to do all these things that are all business. So that's why I can talk. that's why it's so funny. So many of the people that I actually have coached with and work with are entrepreneurs and business owners because they need, they need to do the thing that I've learned how to do already, which is take risks and fall and fail and do it again. And you shine really bright in a project and now you got to begin again. And it's that same sort of like boxer mentality of like, I just did a fight, but now I got to start over again and I got to prove myself again.
1: And I want to come into risks, but I do want to ask you again, looking at your platform, because this is something that we grapple with. Uh, I have, and I know that my audience does, and a lot of people who are pursuing, you know, aspirational people, is what I'm going to say, is looking at that thing that you do as when you're looking at, okay, work at your passions, do something that's your calling, especially if you have a, a spiritual undergirding, or maybe even not so much, but just a bigger picture that I want to do something that I feel really called to do, that yeah. in your... And so some people we see doing that directly, their work is their specific thing or the work gives them the opportunity to do X, Y, Z. And we have lots of people, I make lots of money and I take it over and I build, you know, schools in Africa or whatever. Um, so to your craft, you know, you're, you're on stage, you're acting, doing this role, that role, whatever. Do you look at it as, hey, I am fulfilling my, you know, core calling in that, or it gives me the platform to do that outside of it somewhat.
0: You know, I don't think it is as like, I I think some, you know, for, for a a lot of people, especially artists, it's like the journey unfolds while you're in it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, what it didn't begin with, I'm going to make this difference. But then once I saw the, saw the things within it and I chose to continue to stick in it, I was like, well, I don't want to do that, do that. And I want to lead by example. And how do I use what I have to make a difference? Because, I'm not a narcissist. So what are the things that I can do? And I think it's really important for people to continue to listen to their intuition as to what, how that evolves, right? Because it does evolve. Um, And the wiser we get, the more we realize what could be different, what could be better, what could be, what could be healthier, um, especially when we see the long-term effects of these things, right? So, in in an industry that, like I, I say, I say, you know, breeds dysfunction, attracts dysfunction. Um, you know, it's not surprising that then people become can can become more dysfunctional, and the way to combat that, of course, is personal development.
1: You are listening to The Ziegler Show and we're talking about art and self-expression and reaching your goals with actress Brianna Brown Keene. We'll be right back. but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin. So in talking about that, your platform and how you use it, and you know where you see your calling in that, where you are, it's interesting. Have there been some roles you have declined because you don't want to be associated with them? And I don't mean that from a, you know, just a risque aspect too. I mean, I, I love a good movie. I love a good show or something. And some of the great actors, and I see some of the roles they'll do. and I go, man, I would, I would just, that one's so dark. It would just bother. it's not wrong, but Oh my gosh, that was intense. And yeah. when you look at that or there have, have there been some that you've declined for very, well, I'll just put it there for various yes. reasons.
0: Of course. Yes. So many, okay. <laughs> so many, um, you know, and I think that there's, there's um, there can be opportunities within all of it. Right. Like again, you know, the human experience yeah. telling certain stories, um, I think that there is a beauty in owning your sensuality and your sexuality, but then there's a fine line where you're suddenly really being objectified and it's not, and it's may, it's maybe not the most helpful thing in, that's to be put out into the world. And that's a fine line for someone, especially a young woman, because it's, those are the people who are targeted are, are usually very young women, right. um, to be, to be, to, to be saying, you know, um, or to be putting out there. There's also stuff like when I was pregnant. Um, I was very early on pregnant and no one knew, um, that it was a very emotional role and it was kind of like crying and, and I was like, I'm not doing it. I, I'm not going to put my body, you know, your brain can't tell the difference between a thought, uh, a thought and reality, I'm not going to put myself through this traumatic acting role and potentially like lose my baby. Wow. <laughs> you know, so like, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Um, so not saying that that would happen, but I just know how stress and stress in certain techniques and how I work. It's like, you know, there's, I just have, to, I just was like, I need to be careful on how I do that. And that didn't feel right to me. And I'm going to listen to my intuition on that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely been things along the way. And then there's been things where I'm like, you know, I wish I would have had more guidance from representation, but you know, they often care more about their kids' private school and their mortgage payment than they necessarily do about, your well-being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mentally and whatever. So, you know, that's, that's the other reason, right? Like personal development. That's why I've always gone about like when I've had people, I had, um, someone over at SAG after, which is the union for actors say like, Oh, we'd love you to teach an acting class. And I was, I was like, I'm not going to teach an acting class because what I would teach is what I'm, is what I have in my book, because that I think is more valuable than what you're going to learn from Mac. Anyone can learn how to act. you got to learn how to do that and do, you know, you gotta, it's like, you got to know how to do that, but then you need to know how to market yourself. And then you need to know how to rebound when you have heart, you know, heartache. And then you need to know how to like see movement, you know, movement and momentum instead of negating it before it even like starts like that, you know, all of those things. So I'm like the acting stuff, I feel like that you just have to do by practice and you have to get be great at that. And then there's the other stuff. So you have longevity.
1: Okay. Well, I'm curious about that because what you just what you just said about being pregnant and doing a role, and you didn't want to do that because of the reality of that. I mean, part of your tagline uh, on your website and social media is "paid to pretend," uh, which is interesting in light of what you just said. Because, in essence, you're saying the pretending is not benign. However, and. When we have a culture right now who is, again, you know authenticity is such a big buzzword right now, we want to be authentic. When we go into whether it's work, uh, in roles or social arenas or home or whatnot, where we are pretending, where we are performing, we're not being authentic to ourselves. I'm aware that it takes a toll. I had to learn that the hard way in my own performance and my own life and feeding my self-image. And here you are saying you are professionally pra- paid to pretend, but that it does take a role, which is something that is relevant for all of us if we're in the workplace and we're in a place where we need to perform. Which to some degree, I think we all do. Yeah. Uh, but well, just just hit on that. On it does take. You're saying it does take a toll, regardless, even if you know it's fake.
0: Right. Well. Also, you know, the hours are crazy. The hours are long. I mean, sometimes they're shorter, but oftentimes it's 12, 14, 16 hours. Sometimes you're, you know, you're shooting crazy night shoots and then you're beginning again at 4 a.m. on Monday, you know, um you know, you're, I mean, shooting Friday into Saturday, it's called a fratter day. (laughs) You'd be like literally coming home at five in the morning on Saturday morning and being like, that was my Friday. And then getting up and shooting again at 4.00 AM or getting ready to go shoot at 4.00 AM on Monday. So, you know, the, the, just the hours are crazy and wonky. Um, just what that does to your circadian rhythm (laughs) is, is wonky. But, um, but the emotional component Um, and you know, some people have different techniques, so they're not like diving in, they're using tear sticks and usually their performances are pretty weak, but people that like know how to really, you know, move people and use other types of techniques, you gotta, you gotta hit on, you gotta hit on some stuff. You have to usually either hit on your own imagination work or hit on like real things that you've been through. So you, so you're accessing stuff and then you have to stay in that, especially like when I've done horror movies or things that were a little bit more like emotional, you know, I've had to stay in states of uh, things that are more extreme for hours, if not days or weeks at a time. And to say that it doesn't take a toll on me is a lie because I know now, you know, that I have to then usually take a break. Like I have to usually take like a week off, go to a spa, like literally get it out, get that fear or that anxiety out of my body, do through body work or just like getting present. And I think the thing that's relatable for non- actors right that's not a relatable thing for most people is you know who you're surrounded with at work how it affects you their negativity how are you coming in and that's something that i talk about like you know that like how do you be intentional about how you come into work and what you're bringing to the table yeah You know, and and that's something because you're other people are most people are empathic and absorb other people's energy. And, you know, they feel that or they feel obligated to help fix it or they're like, God, I don't want to be around that. And it's like, how can we be more conscious of what we're putting out, whether what we're saying, which is super powerful or just energetically, like by our vibe? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, so coming into that, I mean, you mentioned earlier risks and that's where you and I started off talking the other day. I mean, you are, so you're a professional actress, you're in the arts, you know, what would be categorized as the the true arts though? You know, I feel like we all have the ability to have art in our work, no matter what that is. Now, we also have the ability to be in something that doesn't require a whole lot of us, does, does not require us to bring out creativity, which as you said, you feel like everybody has at least the ability to be creative in their work. And to be creative means expressing yourself which by proxy is risk and there we have it and and i find so many people looking at that and do i really you got the benefits of putting your art out there the benefits of expressing yourself But then you are putting yourself on a pedestal and you are going to get, well, as you said, you're in the business also of rejection. I mean, that's a primary part of it, which you, I assume, have to make peace with as an actress. But out here in the regular world, we're in a culture right now who is just further and further away from being open to that. It must, uh, for you, it must make an acute division, a gap in that where you're paid. I mean, you expect to be rejected, rejected. For every win, there's going to be X amount of rejections. And over here in the general culture outside of acting, we don't deal with rejection. We're, we hope to not have any at all. Period.
0: Right. Well, when the biggest fear is public speaking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like I think
0: it's totally. like it's like you know oh no what are people going to think like oh, okay maybe you bomb or you stumble on a word or whatever the, the you know it's a, it's a it's other people's idea of like what is um scary is not scary to me only because i have overcome it yeah. i've done it so many times that i have overcome that that fear and i think like what what we were kind of getting at is that only by taking risk over and over and over and over again can we then thrive hmm. right can we then it's not quite as scary um the ceo of Spanx, she did this really great um And was explaining that when she was young at the dinner table, her father would go around and say, how have you failed today? Hmm. And so from an early age, they were encouraged to fail, not not just fail on purpose, but take risk and therefore learn from the risk taking. So it's no coincidence that she was able to be bold and excel in in an industry that she literally knew nothing about and is now like a billionaire. (laughs) Yeah. With a huge empire, because she wasn't afraid of failure, so yeah, I, I think that um to go back to what you're saying about creativity, we are all creative because if you look at children, they love to do crafts and dance and sing, and uh, it's within us. It's whether or not we we might not feel that we're you know going to be destined to be a professional painter and we may give up painting, but that doesn't mean that it's not a part of our expression or can't be part of what we do as a as a hobby. but mm. Um, it also can come, and I know we spoke about this, um, in lots of other forms, how we mark, how we market, how we are creative with how we problem solve with people, how we, you know, there's, there's an art to everything. If, um, when we're cooking, so it's not just strategic, 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 where there's more of a flow and allowing. And Julia Cameron's The Artist Way really dives into that. And that actually was the beginnings of what became my nonprofit was I was, um, I was facilitating artist way groups to help myself and then my manager's clients. um, And this was at like 19. And then um, later I began what became my nonprofit that helps support socially conscious storytellers through goals, grants and mentorship.
1: When you look at, as you talked about you, so now beyond actors and actors, you're working with a lot of entrepreneurs and where do you find yourself leading, guiding them in regards to that, expressing themselves? You just mentioned, I can't remember her name either, uh, the, the the founder of Spanx. But I mean, wow. that brand is a personality-driven brand. That's why it's there. She wasn't the first person to have some of the yes. conceptual ideas around that clothing line. But it's a very, you bought into her. Uh, I mean, her exactly. investors bought into her and her personality is so much a part of that. So she's expressing herself. Within that, and I see the best businesses overall follow that. They are attached to a personality. and I know we as in the marketplace, I find we find ourselves with everybody or everything being a commodity to some degree. I kind of yeah. want products and stuff that have some kind of a further meaning. Uh, which requires some expression from the company about what they kind of the Simon Sinek thing, not just what you do. Hey, it's a computer, but the why behind it. Hey, we make computers for people that are different, you know, it was Apple's kind of thing. So that expressing yourself, I would assume you're pr- a pretty big advocate of within business, how to help entrepreneurs express themselves through that product or service.
0: It depends. Like, right. Okay. Like uh, someone who's a, a designer and I'm like, I think you should step into being more of a personality into being, you know, she's a interior designer. I'm like, cause that's, that's what you kind of ultimately want. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense. And then other people, it, you know, not necessarily, but I, I think it's more about what is the, what is the driving force within you that wants to put that out there? And what is the why? And if the why is clear, if why you're wanting to put it out there is, is clear to your consumer or what value you're giving, right, then people are more drawn to wanting to support that.
1: Yeah.
0: Like if I know you have a higher purpose and I see that you're working really hard, I want to support you more than Joe Schmo who just cares about themselves, you know?
1: in the in that aspect of creativity and expression where do you see the need to be self-aware uh, because i'm i'm thinking about for myself to be to be an artist to get to get what you want out there what you want to express you need to be self-aware and yet we have stories of some of the great artists who we find out are very not as well and I literally don't, as I was thinking about you specifically in your, in your, in your arena of acting, I thought, I don't know how to balance that. Cause I would say you need to have some self-awareness, but we see some hard, maybe that's the point. If you're not, you see some hard stories generally.
0: Yeah. I think like anything, there's no hard, fast rule, right? But I do think that, um, along the way, if we choose to continue to evolve through the difficulties of any industry, especially a really competitive industry, you're going to you're going to evolve i found for me um and that's kind of my special sauce i guess is that uh the more self-aware i can become the more i can the more i can improve upon the areas that are lacking um the faster i can overcome whatever my hurdle is and get to what i want yeah so that's always been my go-to um also energetically right And and that's kind of more the like woo woo manifesting sort of ideas, but it's like energetically, like if I'm surrounded by negative people, if I'm always watching negative things, if I'm always talking about negative things, like I'm not going to feel, I'm not going to necessarily take inspired action when I have opportunities because I'm I'm surrounded by this idea that things aren't working. Yeah. But if I change my, again, it's kind of a woo woo topic, but if I change my vibration and I'm listening to inspiring things and I'm reading about inspiring people and I'm taking – Um, and I'm around people who are there for me for my wins and you know, my losses, it's not going to feel so scary to go take risk. I'm going to be more inclined to take risk.
1: Yeah. It's interesting with your roles. So I talked to Jordan Harbinger the other day. So if folks don't know him, he's got a podcast. He gets more downloads per episode than I do in an entire month of shows. So the guy's at a, at a high level, and he talked about some of the things that he does before his shows just to kind of amp himself up, which that's the that's generally the arena that we would think to go in for anything we're going to do. But there's sometimes when I found myself Trying to be this is an intense time. I need to think really deeply. So I'm not listening to the same music. I'm not listening to the same vibration or vibe as yeah. you said. And I, again, you're in an acute place of having to really uh, alter your attitude. I guess, and coming into different roles, something that I think, what a benefit for all of us as we look at the different roles. When I come into my office and I'm doing a show, I need to be at this vibration. When I sit down to write and really go down down the rabbit hole, it's a different vibration. When I pull into my driveway and I'm going to come into my home, I really need to drop some of that, uh, other vibration and do
0: okay, intensity, right? Yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. I don't think that we, th- I, I, even you have me again, reading your stuff has me thinking about that more and what a skill set that is that you come into by proxy of what you do, but mm-hmm. it's a benefit to all of us as opposed to trying to think, no, we just need to find the right vibration and be there all the time.
0: No. And I think that the other thing is that we have more control than we realize right? So one of the things that I've told people, especially if they have like a more spiritual or religious background is like, how, how intentional are you before you walk in your day? Like when I was on, um, devious maids, uh, not that there was a lot of problems on devious maids, but you know, you're dealing with a lot of women. You're dealing with a lot of people. You're dealing with all sorts of, you're way out of town. Like there's going to be conflict and people are tired and you're up at crazy hours. But a lot of times I would sit in my car before I would, you know, I'd sit in my parking spot before I go in and I'd already meditated and done all of that in the morning at four in the morning. Um, but before I would go into hair and makeup, I would, I would often sit and say a prayer and ask for guidance to be a value. And I would bless everyone that was there. And the days that I did that things flowed better. Hmm. People were kinder or if someone was having a bad day, it was like kind of just that, that, you know, water off a duck's back sort of thing. Like I'm not I'm not absorbing it. Versus other days, if I wasn't as kind of like prepared for whatever's gonna come at me, because anything can come at me, um, the it would it would strike me more. I would absorb it more. Maybe I would obsess on it. And it's like suddenly that person's unresolved whatever baloney is affecting my day and maybe it's then affecting my tone with someone else or affecting how I respond to my partner and so it's like those are things that we have so much more control over and you know another story I remember being on set with on a job where the director was just it was just awful he was yelling at people he was yelling at the stand-in who was like uh you know who was standing in for a child. And it was just, it, it was, you could just feel how the, how like, like he was scared and that was his way of trying to gain control. Right. And so I walked in and I was, it was a scene between myself and a, and a child. And I was like, this child, if she, if she absorbs this, she's going to shut down and her performance is going to go out the window. Like I can't have this. So this was my first day on set with these people. And I already had to put the, the AD in place because she had a weird tone with me at one point. I was just like, whoa, 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 which is a weird pecking order thing. And I was like, I had to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got it. Like, it's all good. But just I remember being on set at this other scene later in the day. And he's irate. And I have this little kid that I'm having to work with. And I remember getting really still and literally envisioning calmness going throughout the entire set, just like every ounce of my energy was just like, we just need to calm this down because it's crazy. And just everything just kind of dropping. And I don't know what magic happened that day, but, but things shifted. And so my point is, is that whether, you know, whatever that was, I needed to get grounded. So I was no longer affected by it. And for some reason, he was no longer acting irate. The kid was calm. And I was like, okay, this we can deal with. And my point in telling this story is that we actually are so much more powerful than we realize. Like when we tap into like, when we tap into spirit, we tap into what we believe, you know, whatever that thing is. And we just like, let's just get grounded. Let's just get present. Let's just get in purpose. Like we can really affect other people's dynamic by not being reactive, you know? And so when you hear things like that, right, you're like, of course, I would want to know personal development, right? Or if I understand character well, then I have to understand psychology well. Yeah. You know, so there are things that we can do if we're really intentional. You know, to shift. It, you know, I couldn't leave. I couldn't be like, this is. I can't handle this. Is whatever. I could, there was no no place for me to go. I would have gotten fired.
1: Still got to so, per- still got to perform.
0: Yeah, still got to perform. Um, but it did shift, and that was really eye opening to me. Like, oh wow, I can. I can kind of shift things if I just get really intentional. And I think, I I think I know because we've all been around somebody who's in a bad mood and you're just like, whoa, and they don't need to say a word.
1: You are listening to The Ziegler Show and we're talking about art and self-expression and reaching your goals with actress Brianna Brown Keene. We'll be right back. You talk to, if we say a method or a system of success, you outline giving yourself time, allowing for time to sprint, uh, recover, play and rediscover. And as I looked at that and again, I'm kind of marrying that with you being in the profession of. Rejections. That's that's, <laughs> you know, there's more, more rejections than, than acceptance. Yeah. I, I guess we could say yeah. that in that we, you know, so sprint, I think we all get sprint. That's what we go to. That's what we think we're all supposed to do there, go out there and be, you know, super driven and, and go sprint, but then recover. And I wanted to ask you about that, especially in light, Brianna of rejection of what do you do? Cause I, even though you, you're in the business of that, I'm sure there are plenty of times where you are disappointed. You really would like to have that role. You might've even been somewhat hoping and to the level of a, c- counting on it a- almost. Yeah. And, and yet you don't get that. It is another rejection. It's hard on your spirit. And you recover, which is an area that I don't feel we give enough gravity to even in this industry. It's quick. Yeah. Hey, if you fall down, just get up, right. Brush it off. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Yeah,
0: I think that's an issue with our, with our culture in general is we don't teach people how to grieve,
1: yeah.
0: right? Like when I lost my father at 27, um, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have a way in which to deal with the grief. And so I, I did what my, father's best friend who is a mortician said not to do, which is put your grief in your back pocket. Hmm. Right. So I think that we have to give moments for, to grieve losses, whether that's the loss of a miscarriage or the loss of a role or the loss of, you know, whatever the, the job, whatever that is, we have to, we have to validate that and give ourselves space for that. And so have, i been like on the floor crying and sobbing over not getting a job. Absolutely. But because I've had to deal with it so much, I'm not usually there that long, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I'm, like I'm like, okay, all right, let's you know reframe it. But I have to feel it and let it out and do whatever self-care I need to do in order to be like, okay, now let's move on to the next. Um, And some of them have longering effects, just like heartbreak, right? Some heartbreaks, you know, you can get over quickly and some, they can really linger. And I think the fine line is when do you, when are you indulging in it and perseverating on it and making it worse for yourself? And when are you not? And I think, again, going back to our culture in a culture that it's like, Oh, you have any pain, take take medicine to feel better. Instead Mm of, you're supposed to be sad. This, this is an event that you should be sad about like, Now, you know, how do you have a fine line of like too much? And, you know, when you need that, I'm not saying don't be on medication if that's what people need, but I do think we're overly medicated to try and not feel anything that's not happy. Um, And and I think only in those dark spaces do we get, do we really get the most insights? You know, we're often, it's that whole thing of like pain pushes until vision pulls, right? So often in the pain, that's when we have our greatest insights. That's when we're like, okay, I got to make a life change. And you suddenly realize, like, this job isn't working for me, and I need to, I need to be bold and, you know, and deal. Um, I need to have that conversation that's wrecking me inside, or whatever the thing is, right? So, um, yes, I have definitely had my fair share of rejection, yeah. um, and I think again, it's it's allowing ourselves to receive, to 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 grieve, take care of ourselves in it how do we contain it? How do we process it? And one of the things that I have within my guidebook is a, is an exercise called silver linings. Yeah. And you know, the cliche of like, well, there's always a silver lining, but there is truth to that cliche because every obstacle can be an opportunity, but we just have to process it enough to be able to understand like, okay, this happened, but this is what I learned. And this is a silver lining of that. And if we see that in retrospect, then whatever we're dealing with in the moment, that's difficult there too will also be additional things that we're going to learn. If we just choose to know, like, okay, I might not understand it right now, but I'm going to look back and I'm going to learn something for this. For whatever reason, this is part of my soul's curriculum or life yeah. school or I, I the, whatever, these are the circumstances, the unfortunate circumstances that I'm, I've been given. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, uh, uh um, play the hand you were, uh, uh, it? the key to life is playing the hand you were dealt. Like it was the hand that you, that you wanted.
1: Nice. nice. You know, the, uh, pain pushes until vision pulls that. I just pulled that up because I have not heard that yet. It feels like something that should be heard. Obviously you did yeah. that. It's credited uh, thought leader, Dr. Michael Beckwith. Oh uh,
0: yeah. Dr. Beckwith. Yeah.
1: Man, I have not heard that. That's a great <laughs> perspective because we know that we spent again, in this industry, we're so often focused on, as you are even in your book, on goals, on the desires. And yet we know that most people respond more so to pain than desire. But I like that pain pushes until our vision pulls. So back on this thing of, okay, we understand sprint. You just talked about recovery. Your next one is play, which- yes. Uh, Yeah. Don't go too far into that one, because we're going to talk about that in the next habit Show, what you do for play. But on the concept of play, again, that's not one that I would generally see in something of this nature. So how do you have that in as one of your methodologies?
0: Well, because what I found is that if it's not fun, you're not going to do it. Right. So if your goal isn't fun for you on some level, there's going to be resistance and usually you'll fail. So, or you will begrudgingly do it or it'll take longer. So, so my key component is how do you make that goal fun? How can you go about it in a different angle so that you're, so it feels more playful because if we view life as more of a game in, you know, then you're not taking everything so seriously. And then also if you fail, right. You're like, Oh, I'll just get back up and do it again. It's like, you know, the people that, almost won the world series, but didn't and lost. They're not like, well, I'm quitting baseball. Right. right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet we do the, that thing. Well, if I don't get that one thing, then I'm, I can't, I'll, I'll, who cares? Who cares if you fail? You may fail a bunch of times. George Clooney, you know, booked all sorts of pilots and none of them went. He was considered the guy who like he's your pilot's going to fail. Your TV show is going to fail. If you have, if you hire him, yeah. <laughs> because all of his shows didn't get picked up. And then, one did and then he's suddenly like huge star and he obviously has gone beyond you know beyond just doing television but my point is is like you have to find ways to make it playful and fun right whether that's meal prep whether that's um you know how you how it's it's like how you deal with a kid like how do you make it more fun fun for them and and when when i approach goals in that way from that from that lens then it's more enjoyable and also, I also say, you know, a handful of your goals should be fun and fulfilling. Like if you're not hitting some of your bucket list items, if you're not having beautiful experiences, if you're not prioritizing, you know, having great experiences in your marriage or your long-term relationship, everything else will fall apart because you're going to sprint and then you're collapse. So if you, you know, and especially like if you are married or uh, in, a, in a long-term relationship, it, it can create such a huge disruption if that falls apart because you're taking your eye off it. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I say, you know, I was saying this one, the, the New Hollywood group, I said, if you have one of your goals, make sure that one of them is within your marriage um, or a habit goal. And, and instead of just focusing on problems that might be in it, like also you focus on how do you have, create new experiences? How do you have more connection? How do you have, you know, more bonding? And um, and someone had said, oh, wow, that, I didn't think about that. And I was like, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't be surprised if you went to the dentist and you'd stop brushing your teeth and you stop flossing. And then they're like, oh, my God, you have a bunch of cavities and you need to get crowned. You wouldn't be like, oh, my God, how did that happen? And yet that's what so many people do in their marriages. They're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. I don't really need to spend time with you. I don't need to date you. I don't need to be romantic and we don't need to keep it sexy. Like, And then they're like, what happened? What, how did it fall apart? It's like, of course it fell apart. You're not putting any energy into it.
1: That you know? aspect of what you said, if it's not fun, you won't do it, is we just did a show and I did a survey on goals and had people, you know, kind of, you know, you list them all up. But what, and then I ask, and I'm, you know, this is as I'm digging into myself too. What do you excite? Yeah. What are those goals excite you? actually excite you because somebody had talked about health and wellness. And so often we have the health and wellness goals and we're not excited about them at all because all it means is I got to get up in the morning. I got to go run freaking hate running. uh, I can't eat anything that I want and I got to eat this rabbit food. I mean, it's just, you're not excited about it. And of course it doesn't generally stick as opposed to what you said. I mean, I have no problem with exercise and diet because it's so stinking fun, but it made me kind of audit some of the other things. And am I having fun in them? I Can be so serious, I can be so intense. Can I just not take everything so seriously? Which is hard to say as a parent. I mean, it it is serious, but then again, am I, I'm not God. I have to continually come back to that one. And can I have fun? I I think that's huge, honestly. It is huge.
0: It is huge because most people who are goal setters are type A people, right? So it's like, you know what you're doing, you know how to do a goal. But the things that are what we often need to work on for those who are type A, who excel. Um, is often not the things that are obvious, right? Like it may be like letting go of control, delegating out, having, being more playful, having more of a sense of humor and, and how do you do that? Right. But also it's, um, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's forgiveness, forgiveness of self. It's, um, letting go of certain things, mm-hmm. right? It's dealing with unresolved trauma. Instead of, you know, a lot of people who have a lot of trauma will be very exceptional in certain things, but it's it's often a way to avoid dealing with other things. So it's like, OK, but let's balance it out. Let's deal with those things. And that's the thing that my guidebook helps excavate, because what you see when you do it really quickly, because it's supposed to be done very quickly, is it gets you out of your head and into your heart. And what does your heart really want? And your heart may be like, I really, gosh, and you look at it and you say, oh, I I need to create something. This is I need to create this or Um, One of the women I was working with said, she's like, oh, my thought was that should be about, you know, my goal should be, of course, about, you know, getting a raise at work. And and she realized in doing the exercises, I need to heal. Hmm. I need to heal. I need to put more energy into healing. And that doesn't mean she just shouldn't also focus on getting a raise. But then recognizing, like, oh, this thing that seems small that I could just put to the sideline actually – is huge. And if I really deal with it, I have more energy to put toward what I really want, because this is, this is taking up an enormous amount of my time and energy.
1: Yeah. Well, you talk, I love, I like the word excavate that you just used because that is what I saw in your book. And I mean, Brianna, I probably had, I, you know, I've had, uh, well, this is Ziegler show and Ziegler has their performance planner, the famous thing. It's awesome. I've had Michael Hyatt on the show. He has his focus planner. I've had John Lee Dumas. He has his something journal. I can't remember. And mm-hmm. I looked at yours and I thought, Man, this I, would be, I think it'd be a great exercise for most people. Get three to five different styles of these at the beginning of the year and go through those and find the one that fits or find even different parts of them that fits. Because yeah. I looked through yours and I would say, I'm kind of an expert in having gone through these, And I saw things that I just hadn't considered in regards to excavating what you just said, head to heart. I mean, you're very, I think it's the very first exercise and I'm I'm holding it up here for the people who see the video.
0: Oh, oh yeah.
1: (laughs) My very short memoir. And I really appreciate that. I think because it's kind of acute to me right now, I have not done a good job of examining. It sounds bad. That sounds negative. Maybe, um, maybe cherishing even and uplifting the things that have happened in my past. And it was not until the work on my current book deal where they're saying, we need more of your story. And wait, what? You were a pro cyclist. You don't even talk about that to get, we need that in there. And it really helped me bring things back in. That was not so much even feeding my ego. It honestly showed me some things that I had stuffed and I needed to really examine why I had done that, but it did help to look at, gosh, I have, I've done some things that, that do, it, it helped my confidence. It helped my self-image. So I love that. My very short memoir, who should not do that? I really thought about having my kids do that. Yeah. My adult kids, at least that's powerful. And you have a bunch of different things that kind of, you know, even that, what I love about myself at the beginning, that's we don't, one. we don't, yeah, we don't do that. that we go and do goals. Are, that
0: one see And that's just it again. So most people that go professional, yeah. maybe they do some personal uh, maybe they'll sprinkle in some habits. Th- this I really hit on the fun but what I realize is that a lot of the professional ones will be achieved if you deal with your pers- the things that are holding you back energetically with your time <laughs> with your you know the problems in your life like you know deal with deal with the fires in your life while they're campfires and not forest fires. Yeah. you know and the only way to do that is to see and this helps you do that so so that you see like oh am I getting an A in this area or am I getting an F? And how about if I, instead of waiting until it's an F, I notice if it's at a C and I say, uh, I gotta, I gotta raise that up. And that's the same thing with like, oh, I'm not having, I'm not spending quality time with my kid or my kid's really struggling in X, Y, Z. It's like, okay, then I got to adjust my focus because I want to make sure that they're, that they thrive and they don't go down some bad bad rabbit hole. And how can I be more um, intentional and conscious about that? Right. And so that's why this process, I do it annually. And even in the mid year you can reevaluate and shift some things. So there's not a rigidity of like, this, this is what you have to do because things happen. A global pandemic happens. People die. Like, you know, you, you come across having, you know, uh, an illness or something. And it's like, okay, what is life trying to tell me? How do I adapt and how do I, how do I use this, you know, to my advantage? And I really, I really try to go about it from a multi-pronged approach is what I say. So I like to go from it physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it's like, let's go look at all that and then let's, let's go after it, which is very much the masculine. But then also let's let go and receive, which is more of the feminine, right? So if you you counterbalance that and you got to know when to do it, (laughs) when to do what, when to sprint and when to release and play, then things will come. Because if you're grasping everything, like a lot of people just, you know, have that like goal setting, grasping you're not allowing things that you're not allowing seeing it maybe coming from a different way. Right. Because we're like, well, it needs to look like this. It's like, says you, yeah. but also often the things that we want the most, if we look back in retrospect, we got something else that was so much better. And if we had, if we had gotten our prayers answered the way we thought our prayers should be answered, we would have been miserable.
1: Yeah, you know, that's hard. Yeah.
0: So, so as much as we say, this is what I want, it's like, "Mm, this is the feeling you want. This is, this is the idea that you want, but let's trust that while you're going here, there's something greater than you. That's even if it seems like a sidetrack and as long as you're learning along the way, it will get you to what you ultimately want.
1: That's probably one of my most profound lessons in my own relationship with God is trusting the vision. I've learned to do that. And yet not trust how I see that vision coming to fruition because so seldom has it panned out. And I've had to learn that the hard way. Here's the vision. Okay, I got it. God, I'll let you know when I need you. And then a month down the road, I'm saying, where are you at, buddy? Because this isn't working out so well. Um, So that's significant. And you, you, again, coming back to that, the beginning of the exercises in your guidebook, like the memoir, like the things that I love about myself, brought me to the fourth part of what I pulled out you know sprint recover play and rediscover yeah. and that's what it spoke to is the ability to rediscover i guess rediscover who i have been and who i could be is that fair and how you're you tell me how you're defining that how you're perceiving Well
0: that. i think like part of the reason i have people write everything down right i write down their write down their lessons write down their blessings write yeah. down their moments write down their um hurdles right is so that when we look back in retrospect we're like oh that hurdle that i was dealing with or that problem right or that catastrophe right like let's put in hurdle which feels surmi- like we can just learn how to
1: jump over, it. over yeah. it
0: right versus yeah. like it's possible um that hurdle led to this lesson which actually learned look, turned out to be that blessing or that opportunity Right. So then you look back in retrospect and you write it all down. So you're rediscovering like, oh, this thing that I thought was a tragedy was actually a blessing. I didn't see it then. Right. Like, or I might, that situation really sucked, but I learned X, Y, Z from it. Okay. Now I can move on. And so, you know, the rediscover is, it's kind of like, it's like re-looking at it, like you would study for a test. Since most of us do not have a photographic memory, you know, and most of us belittle our accomplishments, like what you said, you're like, this amazing accomplishment that you're like, Oh yeah, that happened a long time ago. It's like, no, that's a huge part of your drive and who you are. Um, and explains so much and like, but looking at it and and re-excavating like, Oh, okay. Yeah. That is a lesson. Oh, that is a pattern. Oh, this is why I keep hitting this, this same point. Or like, you know, someone that's, for example, dealing with emotional eating, which is a huge thing for a lot of people. It's, it's like, yeah, but what is the trigger? What, what is the chronic problem that you go to this to try and feel better? Cause that's what it is. It's masking something else. Like, okay, now how about if I deal with that? Maybe you're not speaking up. Maybe you're in a toxic relationship. Maybe you're just dealing with someone who's like chronically ill and it's like yeah. overwhelming. You need to come with other tools to not like, so it helps you like look at it. And, but, but so rediscover is like looking at it from another point of view, learning from it and also like saying like, Oh, you know, that thing that I thought I wanted, now that I know more, I don't really want that. I I think I actually wanted a little bit more like this. So it's helping change the trajectory.
1: Yeah. If, if
0: when you learn, you learn more.
1: And we spoke about this a couple of days ago. I mean, in the role that you have as a professional actress, you are put into, well, not just in the roles, but even in the culture. I mean, you have your nonprofit group called new Hollywood. You're in the Hollywood culture. I don't live, I live up in a little town in, in the Rockies. Most people don't li- live in that culture that it is an exaggerated from a persona and an, and an ego. And then even the, the roles, it's an exaggerated area, but it feels like it gives you, it affords you a different perspective on life that I see come out in your book, in your teachings, in your guidance, that that exaggeration really it just makes everything it, it makes things more blatant and easier to call out. Is that a fair perspective yeah, of where you
0: I think things are often very heightened, yeah. and and I think that that can be good and bad, like anything, right? Spectrum, yeah. um, and I, I think that that's forced me because of what's, I mean, most people like moving is very, um, very jarring. It's considered one of the top stressors. I, I I've had to relocate for work numerous times, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, Oh, suddenly you're like, and now I'm moving to Atlanta. Oh, Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Let me go move, you know, or like I'm getting ready to relocate to Berlin in, in two and a half weeks, you know, and it's like, okay, yeah, that's I, but because I've been put in all of these crazy circumstances, <laughs> Through my job, Um, and you know, things that would be very jarring and paralyzing for some people are not for me. You know, speaking in front of a bunch of people is not jarring and is not jarring for me. You know, I've spoken in front of incredibly talented women at the National Women's History Museum. You know, women of like from politics to industry to whatever, and 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 I'm I'm not phased by it. And yet, I used to have massive performance anxiety.
1: Yeah. Which is, it goes back to, you know, your own story of trauma and bullying, even coming to the point of trying to take your life of, and I thought about this earlier of that aspect of that, that I want to be so sensitive with, because I know people have so much to deal with so much more than I have. And yet looking at what gives us a propensity for uh, PTSD, as opposed to post-traumatic growth. And it's easy to, you know, again, get on a rail. Hey, it should, you know, use that thing to strengthen you, man. I, I've just known people who I look at what they've dealt with and go, I I don't know that I could overcome that. And yet that is the only opportunity we have to look at is how can we use that trauma? Like you've talked about to help give us insight, to help, uh, strengthen us and help give us opportunity, which is, that's your platform.
0: Um, Yeah. But I think we all have trauma that holds us back. in little ways, like, right. Like people talk about little trauma, the little T or the big T. And I, and I think that, you know, I, I think that it's important for people to take the time to really look at like, what are the things holding me back? I know people who've just had their heart broken a little too many times and it's too hard for them to be in something intimate again. Who's just, you know, I know other people who've been to war, you know, and they hear something and they have, you know, panic attacks and, and legit PTSD about, about that. So I think that we all have different things. Like we've had our heart broken, we've took a risk and we failed and suddenly we're, it's too scary to go and do that thing. I mean, just even writing a book, I was told by a writing, a UCLA writing extension teacher, I wasn't a good te- I wasn't a good writer. And I remember being totally blocked from writing. I was like, oh, I can't write. And then I took a writing class with, from another woman. And, um, when I wrote, it was all by hand and it was, it was a very interesting, her name is, uh, Maya Danzinger of relax and write, which is, she's got a really fabulous technique. Um, and I remember writing and when we had to read what we wrote, my, um, handwriting was so sloppy mm-hmm. that I, w- I remember noticing it. I'd be like, oh, look at that resistance right? Like it was a physical manifestation of resistance. And so I paid attention to it and I was like, okay, next time I have to be, I have to not do that. And I slowly worked through it. And then, and then suddenly I was writing the story and, you know, and I'd written this, I then started to write scripts and then I started to, you know, write my guidebook. And so it was like, I could have taken that comment that, that at the time wrecked me and never written again. And yet I had this story that I needed to say, I had a whole book I had to write, you know?
1: Thank you for writing this book and, and for offering it. No, really, I, I think I appreciate, again, you using the platform that you've got to, uh, as your book says, rise higher, shine brighter and give back. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for taking the time here. i um, excited to know you and what you're doing. And uh, thanks for giving us the time today here on the show, Brianna. Yeah,
0: you're welcome. Thank you.
1: Again, you can connect with Brianna Brown Keen and manifesting your mission at M Y M as in manifesting your mission, M Y M And I invite you to dig in more with this and all my podcasts at Kevin coming up next in Ziegler episode nine, six, four, Tom Ziegler and I dig into the root issues of personal development in an effort to help us all embrace and engage more effectively in our efforts to progress and pursue what we feel called to. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.